Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Fan Returns Weekly. Uh, apologies for this one being a few days late. I only sent out the newsletter on Sunday, um, and so it's, it's taken me a couple of days since then to get around to recording it. Let's get on to the matter at hand. So, I'll just share my screen. So I've had quite a few people sign up to the newsletter in the last couple of weeks. So I kind of thought it would be timely maybe just to, to give another quick overview of the of firm returns. And there's three different newsletters that I provide and, and also for people that are interested, give some some stats on how many subs- newsletter subscribers I have and and other such things. So do that first, then we're going to get on to some updates with some of the portfolio companies, specifically TMI, the Taylor Maritime Investments, Warner Brothers Discovery, and Tiny Build. And uh, no, <laughs> the uh, Tiny Build update is not not to do with the equity race. So apologies if you're waiting for news on that. I'm still waiting to. Um, yeah, let's have a look. So first off, these firm returns weekly newsletters, which is what I'm basing this uh, episode of this video audio episode on. Uh, provide ongoing coverage of the companies I hold in my portfolio, namely Ecora Resources, Warner Brothers Discovery, Tiny Build, Taylor Maritime Investments, Fuller Smith and Turner, and Aviva. In addition, you will t- from time to time see segments on general investing thoughts, as I did before, talking about the Bill Nigren interviews and so on. Um, and I'll probably start adding in coverage of companies on my watch list that I'm actively tracking. So if I do um, write, if I do a, generally, I think it's going to be companies that I've done a write-up on. But if I, I'm planning to do some more write-ups in the in the new year. Um, and I'll probably, if they're companies that I'm considering putting getting position in or I liked or something like that, I might, once I've done the initial write-up, provide some ongoing coverage, keep following them, um, and then, you know, be be looking again to know a little bit more and waiting for maybe an entry point if I do want to add them to my portfolio or maybe they're rotating in with something else or as something comes out or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's the the weekly newsletter, which like I say, could it's largely following the portfolio companies as as anybody following these videos will know. Um, but there's some other sort of bits and pieces I'm planning to sort of start Working in, maybe particularly on weeks where there's not been that much news, though it's been pretty news heavy <laughs> for the, the last few months. But uh, on certain weeks, there might be a topic uh, that I think there's only a couple of bits of news or so, or less than one or two bits of news. And so I think, oh, let's, this will be maybe an opportune time to do some in general investing thoughts or maybe to discuss something else that's I'm actively tracking that's on my watch list considering maybe a, a shallow dive or something if it's a company that I've not done a in-depth um article on but yeah that's the uh the weekly the, uh, newsletter and then separately you'll receive portfolio updates when I buy or sell shares and deeper stock analysis on individual companies and uh I've said it's admittedly been quite a while since I've done a write-up on a new company I think the last one was 
um ecora resources technically still asked sort of fresh write-up and i think that was back in may so after i went to the agm i did a write-up on it so um i've written up everything that's in my portfolio so you can find write-ups and i think put links here on most of these to the, the write-ups i've done um so you can go find in-depth write-ups on all of those but yeah i'm i want to start doing some more you know finding the time to do some more write-ups on on new companies because i think it just i really need to be expanding my horizons and uh personally as well i want to i'd like to expand my portfolio out with a few more names and i'd like to keep analyzing new companies so some of them might be competitors to companies in my existing portfolio so there's a bit of competitor analysis should help with um deciding you know help with conviction on the companies i own and so on and i'm going due diligence and then there'll be other examples of it's new sectors i've not looked at before so i'm thinking about looking at jet 2 which is an airline based in the uk and uh, listed on the aim market and then DSW Capital is another one that's probably going to be the first one I do, which is like a small accounting services, financial services firm. So it's kind of a bit of a franchise model that's quite um quite interesting um, to have a look at. Um, so I'm going to do that one probably first. And there's there's quite a few quite a few other companies on the list. So. You should start hopefully seeing some of those coming out, and they're not necessarily going to be ones that I'm definitely going to add to my portfolio. So this is just I'm just going to more routinely do in-depth write-ups on on new companies. Uh, so then I've got a, a more conviction in my watch list as well. So then I've actually read it if I'm not tracking them, so on. It can other things that can add to the weekly stuff, and it's also stuff that um, if an opportunity comes along, I can pounce and actually make an investment. I don't need to wait several months for me to do the due diligence first before before doing it. So it's all companies that I think are, are going to be relatively interesting uh, investment opportunities. Um, right, and then some stats. So Firm Returns now has five uh, 425 members. I think it's actually 427 as of today. So I've had a couple more signups in the last couple of days. And more than 200 people read the newsletter every week, which is incredible. Um, I was really, when I first started it back at the end of, I think it was in November of 2022, I'd done some write-ups before the, when I really started this site, the newsletter in its current form and so on, uh, was in November. And uh, before that, I did have a bit of, I kind of put some of the, I a couple of writes I put online, but they it wasn't in a newsletter form that was sent out or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I thought maybe I'll shoot to see if I can get a hundred people by the end of the year. And obviously 425 and I have more than 200 people that read every week, you know, routinely. So it's uh really good. I mean, the overall open rate for the newsletter is consistently above 60%, which is uh pretty high. I understand. And it can get up into the 70s when I do new write-ups. So obviously it gives me some incentive to try and do new ones. You guys prefer new stuff as well. So um, 
well, I think the the weekly updates, the weekly newsletters have been well received and it's a way of me putting out more regular content and um, keeping people engaged. But yeah, if I put out a new article, a new company, um, or I'd do a big update on something like the the tiny the more recent tiny board update that I covered, uh, that that kind of gets up into I can get up into the seventies, which is which is phenomenal. Um, and then there's obviously there are obviously people that uh, tune in for the topic, the companies they're interested in. So I've got some people that are only interested in Ecora Resources, for instance, or only interested in one of us discovery. And so they'll just open those those particular ones. But in the main, there, there's a, a good body of sort of 200 people or more that read every week, which is uh, which is amazing. But um, yeah, so yeah, I've kind of set myself the goal of trying to get, so I'm not so concerned about the top line figure of um, 427 now, but I'd like to try and get it to a stage just as an ambition, considering how far beyond my prior expectations I managed to get in the last year. See if I can hit a regular reader base of 500. So that would be like a hundred and uh, yeah, it would be 150% increase from here in terms of the regular weekly readers if we're getting you know over 200 at the moment so let's just say a double um but yeah so that's kind of like see if i can do that but i don't know we'll, we'll see um it really it's really going to depend on how many because i think the most of the growth in the newsletter has come from when i've done new write-ups um generally so the the Weekly stuff is good for engagement and it keeps it has a good open rate of the existing subscribers, but they don't it doesn't really draw many new people. I get like a little trickle, you know, just a continuous trickle of people coming in over the weeks and so on. But the the real like in big inflows come when I do a, a new write up and publicize it a bit and stuff like that on social media and things. So um yeah, that's gonna be that's going to be the way if I want to hit that target, I'm going to have to do it. It's doing uh, more of the the fresh write-ups. But uh, yeah, so so that's kind of on me to see if I can, uh, if I can do that. Um, so yeah, I guess get on to the main topics of the week anyway. So having a look at Taylor Maritime Investments first. We've had... Uh, the the half year report being published um this week so this it covers the six months ending the 30th of september 2023 so we've we obviously have got quite a bit of the headline kind of information uh from the quarterly trading updates they've done which i've i've covered in past episodes and so on but this really obviously gives you a lot more depth it gives you like a proper financial accounts and everything like that so you can really I've, I've dug into it and pulled out some some key bits and um the first of these was the investment performance so and they, they give a, a quite a helpful table here so as highlighted in the table gross operating profit has fallen substantially despite a larger combined fleet 
reflecting the impact of lower charter rates in the period. Finance costs have also seen a substantial rise as a result of higher interest rates and the debt taken on to fund the Grindelwald acquisition. These costs provide plenty of impetus for the deleveraging the company, which uh, management has been doing aggressively. I'm not too concerned by the loss of capital, loss in capital values, which is the, just a, a largely an artifact of timing for the valuations. Um, as the time, the day which they they've obviously done this valuation, which I guess would have been thirtieth of September. Uh, it, it's pretty close to the trough they had in August, so it's um, and re- most of the recovery in charter rates and valuations has happened since then in October, November, and into December. Uh, so yeah, when we see the next trading update, I'm kind of expecting these to have to have rebounded. Um as we've seen with charter rates. So I think they're now nine, they're over 900 now, um, oh, the index. So uh, yeah, it was 862, actually 872 on the 8th of December. And it's now up to 900, I think it went up to 909 or something. And it's kind of settled down a bit to 903 or something like that now kind of uh, hit a temp- pedentary Denbury or, or plateaued a bit anyway. It's hit, it's hit a bit of a peak. Um, but yeah, you can just see on this uh, table here. So the original six months back in 2022 was, I think, would have been before the Grindelwald acquisition. So, and, and well, they kind of had a slice of it, which is why they've got the dividend income here. I think that's that will be why. Um but um it's largely just the TMI fleet, which was larger at that time, the actual TMI fleet. They've obviously they've sold off some more vessels, but now with the acquisition of Grindrod, it's kind of the overall combined fleet is now larger, as evidenced by the total vessel days here. So it's gone from five thousand one hundred and nine days to 9,312 days. Um, and and you, But you can see the TMI group's actually gone from 5,109 down to 3,989. And then you've got the net charter revenue, which has gone up, but the operating expenses, because with that's now with a larger group, the operating expenses have gone up by more. Um, and so it's the gross profit has come down. And uh, the big another big thing here, which I've had in red, is the finance costs have rocketed up from $3.83 million to $20.37 million. So big increase in the effectively interest expense being paid here in the first six months. Um and then the loss in capital values, as I said, was largely a paper loss. Though obviously the fact that they're having to um, or sell vessels now for the uh, in order to pay down the debt means that they are going to be uh, solidifying this loss, capitalizing this loss. But. Um, 
generally the even that generally this the vessels that have been sold have um as you can look back they've generated returns in excess of their cost bases so the actual amount they paid for them originally um even though so even though these capital values have come down on these vessels they're still above the price they originally paid so they're still making a profit on them um so yeah it's it's not quite as bad as this as this figure made out to believe they just had a very big rise in, in the prior years uh when when rates really rocketed up and now are uh coming coming back down to back down to earth to, to more reasonable levels um the group expenses uh this line here is actually they've increased by about a million some from four million to five million and i think that's largely increased uh travel expenses from why i saw so they and they weren't able to travel as much in 2022 in the first six months there because all the covid stuff and then how doing more traveling i guess they've been doing a fair bit with the fact that they were acquiring grindlord and and managing um managing things and so on and, and now with uh the ceo of tmi also becoming the ceo and i think other members of the executive team managing grindrod um there's there's more you know travel duties there i would expect as a result and integrating all integrating all the teams together and all the rest of it um but yeah so it's it obviously wouldn't have been they wouldn't even if you'd well if you took away the finance costs um wound them back down to the same level as before then there would have been enough gross operating profit from the group to pay the dividend even after subtracting the group expenses so the dividend i think is about 16 million dollars something like that 16 17 million dollars so they would have had enough to pay that maybe i'm maybe that's a bit higher than that maybe it's 13 or 14 million but anyway it, even if you take away the 5 million and let's say another 3 or 4 million from that it still would would be enough to to cover it so it's not um it's not horrendous level it obviously just shows the necessity to pay down the debt but um give some yeah i'll get on to that a bit but uh yeah obviously as they if they're selling vessels to pay off the debt and their net charter revenue is going to decrease as well um as as they're losing some of what well, on the basis of losing total vessel days or or capacity there uh so the next thing i i pulled out was an interesting little nugget in the uh financial covenants on their new debt facility so there is a minimum liquidity requirement for them to hold at least five million dollars plus an additional two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per vessel owned or bare boat chartered by tmi with this info in mind we can look at the table of assets and liabilities included in the additional information section of the report and see that much of the cash required by these covenants is held in the individual SPVs for each vessel. So here I've shown uh, the uh, special purpose vehicles, SPVs, here all listed for TMI. Um, good Falkirk here 
is what they're holding. Um, the grind rod uh, investment in, so that's why it's it's so it's three hundred and four million, and all the others are the largest of the others is twenty seven twenty eight million. Um, but yeah, you can can see with the others. So the investments in uh, securities and other. So yeah, in, you can see in the in all the individual SPVs, which each one is going to hold an individual vessel. Uh, these, yeah, these are down to vessels at fair value through profit loss and other assets. You've got the fair values. Uh, of the vessels here on on the first column and then you've got the other assets here in the middle column and I'm pretty sure this is mostly cash because um amongst all of these there has to be at least five million dollars for the debt cameras plus two hundred and fifty thousand per vessel so um, i think each individual spv pretty much with the exception of this one that's just just below two hundred fifty thousand it's probably got the minimum 250k required uh, to meet their liquidity requirement for the debt covenant and then you've got sort of excess across the whole group to make up um, the uh, the overall 5 million plus I guess it's also going to include the cash at hand in the at the parent level but in total there's 11 million dollars in other net assets so like i say i think a lot of this is just going to be cash held in all these individual spvs and obviously they don't have to pay any tax on these because they're all uh red companies registered in the marshall islands so very tax efficient way of uh way of doing things uh another good find in the additional information section was the following table Detailing, detailing the dividend cover calculation. So here you can see the true cash flow they're generating from operations, as well as the cash cost of debt, interest, and docking capital expenditure, fleet maintenance expense. They have notably been able to reduce the docking capital expenditure in the first half of 23 versus the first half of 22. This could suggest that non-essential work was done the prior year to enhance the fleet or that they've postponed maintenance expenditure this year. In any case, we can see that the fleet didn't generate enough cash in the first six months of the financial year to cover the dividend, even excluding interest expense. So yeah, we can see here. So in the uh, prior year, their adjusted TMI EBITDA, inclusive of the underlying SBVs, was... 60.43 million dollars and this year it's fallen to 11.97 million dollars so quite a drop in those and across those two periods showing you the difference there in the charter rates um and the interest expense has gone from 3.43 million dollars to 13.2 now if we go up i think it was like 12.87 finance yeah kind of roughly in line to the TMI group similar kind of finance expense there so the, not quite the same but they are roughly in line with those finance costs we saw in the investment uh, performance table 
Uh, but yeah, this interest expense was, and combined with the, uh, the yeah the docking capital expenditure as well was so that was that has come down significantly. So it was eleven point seven eight million dollars in twenty twenty two, and it's now come down to three million dollars. So this could be that they maybe they were including like adding those boss cap fins and various other enhancement uh, work they were doing on the vessels to make them more efficient stuff, and they've sort of postponed or they maybe it's all all the stuff that's been done uh or they're postponing some of these optional enhancement things until they've got a better cash flow situation prioritizing debt repayments on or maybe um they're postponing fleet maintenance which uh maybe slightly more questionable but i think they i think of what i've heard to do they maintain they sort of dry dock the boats on at least to a two yearly cycle anyway so maybe this is just the year that they're all synchronized so it doesn't quite make sense that they would have them all synchronized to take out in the same at the same time um so i think it would be one if they staggered them over a couple of years would probably be better just in terms of fleet utilization and everything um there'd be long it'd be longer well there'd be a smaller number of the overall fleet uh, taken out of action any one time so maybe uh maybe it is a case of some of them being pushed back even further than two years or something but anyway we'll have to see how that develops in uh, future reports but in any case the even if you took away the interest expense uh they adjusted tmi a bit uh, inclusive of the underlying svvs wouldn't have been enough to cover the dividend it um which was 13.2 so i actually i was it was 30 yeah the dividend when i was saying 16 or whatever it was actually about 13 i uh misremembered that i think it was six point something or other was the the bit uh that i was remembering and i was adding a one to the front anyway uh so yeah it's uh Whereas last year it was covered 3.6 times. So, yeah, it's a good table this. And I think it really shows you uh, how much they're actually spend after you take away just the, the cash flow, net cash flow from the fleet coming in. And then you take away the sort of the capital expect, capex they happen to do. It really lays this out nicely. And it's not something that's particularly clear from the IFRS, I, I, uh, IFRS financial statements because of the complex um corporate structure so having all these spvs and stuff like that it kind of just makes it look uh you know it's hard to say what your cash flow from operations all that kind of stuff is um because the operations are actually way down in their own um and special purpose vehicles so yeah, yeah this is a, a particularly good table to to pull out of the the notes in the additional information section so yeah i'll just put a little point here as well that i hope these sort of three examples i've given here show you the well, the first one wasn't in the notes but show you the importance of reading the notes to the financial statements because there's especially with um, companies that are, have some complex corporate structure to them which to be honest is a lot of companies most any since they get past a certain size they have subsidiaries and all sorts of things as well that can complicate 
some of the accounting and different segments and things. So um, reading the notes, the financial statements is is a really crucial for for doing your but doing your analysis on companies and there's lots of good information to pull out there um, that the management provides for you. So uh, yeah, you can you can answer a lot of questions. Um, so yeah, there's, there's also a, a post-period trading update they provided. Um, this was more in the the RNS regu- regulatory news service uh, bulletin that was put out. The, announcing the release of this half-year report. Uh, that was where most of this information was rather than she embedded in the report itself. But uh, yeah, the, it's pretty positive. So the company is starting to lock in some significantly higher charter rates in the last months or so. Um, and here's what they said. So dry bulk rates accelerated from mid-November before surging at the end of the month with the adjusted BHSI TCA time charter average rising to $12,967 per day and the adjusted BSI so BHSI is Baltic Handy Size Index and BSI is Baltic Supermax but also includes Ultramax I think um, index so the two different size vessels they have uh rising to $16,715 which is 121 and 124% respectively above their mid-august low points so that was you know and it's a quite a big jump from uh, the time the vessel valuations were done and so on as well the company subsequently agreed medium term charters for three TMI handy size vessels a $16,000 per day gross time charter rate for 100 to 150 days, a $19,000 per day gross time charter rate for 75 days, and a $13,000 per day gross time charter rate for 100 to 150 days. So these are really positive. I mean, that 19000 one is pretty incredible as well. <laughs> um and sixty, yeah. Overall, all of them are above the current average, and they're locked in for at least two months. Some of them, are, well, one hundred fifty is like five months, so uh, four to five months. So yeah, it's um really, really good to be seeing that. And that's and they're looking to sort of try and I think straddle the what can often be weaker sort of the Chinese New Year period. Uh, and sort of CRISPR can be a little bit softer, so they're looking to sort of straddle that. So uh, this is very this is a very welcome development that should allow the company to continue its debt repayment without needing to sell as many vessels, and those it does sell are likely to command higher prices than just a few months ago. So yeah, it's definitely a positive development for the company, and and uh, comes at a, a great time. So the other bit of news for uh, TMI beyond the half-year report was that they've had a couple of board changes. So we also heard this week that Charles Maltby will be appointed as the non-executive director of the company from the 1st of January 2024. Charles has served on the board of Grindrod since the 6th of December 2022 
and will be resigning from this post on the 31st of December 2023. Helen Tveitan, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name there, will also be retiring from the TMI board on the 31st of March 2024. So uh, board size will be the same. This uh, Charles Martby guy is going to be coming across from Grindrod. So um, some representation from the prior board. Uh, but he was only there for a pretty limited time. But he's from, I think he's got a pretty big history. I think he's, I see he was the CEO of Epic Bolsan or something like that, which is like the one of the world's largest um LNG transporters or companies something like that crazy and then uh, also has some crossover with some of the prior companies that some of the TMI people have worked in so uh yeah there's some some links there but yeah that's like a pretty good appointment so yeah moving on to Warner Brothers Discovery we heard this week that they have just signed a podcast deal with Spotify. This will include CNN's All There Is with Anderson Cooper, the assignment with Aldi Cornish, and HBO's the official Game of Thrones podcast, House of the Dragon. This is in addition to a multi-year deal they have with Spotify to create podcasts from DC Comics. So there's been quite a lot of stuff. Um, they've had... So they're doing this partnership with Spotify, doing licensing deals with, I've heard, with uh, quite a few things with Amazon and um, and with Netflix and so on. So, yeah, we're in a pretty good. They're doing quite a bit of uh, of collaborations and partnerships and so on with other companies. So it's, it's, it's kind of good to see and hopefully monetizing some of their content uh through some of their competitors as well rather than just purely trying to grow their own platform at all costs doing it steadily over time and while still getting as much funding as they can out of other shows um yeah i think uh there's certain shows like they've been sitting there and not they've had a certain amount of viewing but they get put onto something like netflix or whatever or amazon and they get a brand new sort of like audience and the they hadn't signed up to max before or whatever and suddenly are all viewing this content and so they can get a obviously the rates the license fees are linked to how many views and so on they get so they can actually make a quite a bit more perhaps than they would have done holding it just purely exclusively on their own platform um from like advertising linked revenue and so on uh which would be linked by the views and so on as well so the other bit of news from warner Bros. discovery is about wonka the uh movie that released just over well released it released about a week earlier in some international markets like the uk and some european ones germany as well i think and some other places but uh, it's, it had its opening weekend in the us last weekend and it had a strong start with gross revenue of 30 39 million dollars in the US and it's currently 
uh, clocked up or clocked in 151.4 million dollars globally and this is set against a production budget of 125 million dollars so it's looking like this film could turn a pretty tidy profit if it maintains its current trajectory and i think um let's see if this will end but um they give a pretty good graph here showing the trajectory here is pretty much in line with films that just the domestic box office did Ooh, comfortably over a hundred million uh domestically. So yeah, it's looking looking pretty positive, a pretty steep trajectory on one of the steepest in this early a good early start. Um there's a comparison between holiday season musicals, so musicals all came out around about Christmas time. So positive, looking like that could be that could be a good result. And I think it's got a pretty good had good ratings around from what I've seen as well. So finally, I just want to give a quick update on Tiny Builds. So we're still waiting on news of the equity raise, as I said at the top. But in the meantime, I wanted to share a positive update on Deadside. So on this, on Thursday, the 14th of December, the developers released version 0.10.0, which includes a major map expansion with a large new city, which you can see here in the picture. It's not the best. There's a a better one potentially if you think we're on top of this building you've got a really great panoramic view over the whole city vista and so on um so it includes a major map expansion with a large new city called Kamensk, along with notable improvements to game performance and ai so the update has generated a lot of engagement with peak concurrent player numbers hitting a 12-month peak of 2,218 on Saturday. And I think the last update before that was probably the update, the, the last peak before that, that was uh, within the last 12 months was when they released the uh, the boats, I think. Uh, or maybe at least the, yeah, it's when they added the first vehicle to the game, basically. Um, I think that was back in like April or May times on those lines. Uh, or maybe March, earlier on in the year anyway. And so, yeah, we now surpassed that peak, set a new record for the year. And it's seen a, a significant jump in the positive reviews on the game Steam store page in the last few days as well. So on the day, I think, of the release, we had this big 40 reviews, positive reviews come in. And and overall, it's been trending positive. And it had had a um, so sales and so on had run up a bit because they'd had a a discount applied a, st- a publisher sale running till something like the 16th i think so that did overlap a little bit with the start of the launch so that did help with those sales but it's still held up I and mean, with this update coming out i think it's um held up pretty well even though the sale ended it's still around about the it's in still in the top 500 selling games on steam so it's still selling pretty well do you know selling uh significantly higher than just the baseline sort of level of graveyard keeper right now, for instance. So, which is often a big, a popular, uh, one of the one of the top selling tiny build games just to, across the board, and now continuing to do it now at full price. So, um, though it did get down into like the two hundreds or something when this sale was on as well and everything. So, uh, but yeah, still still in a good place. So, 
Yeah. Um, so I also tested the update out with a friend on Friday evening on a server at full capacity, which was 50 players. Um, and can genuinely say that I was impressed with what they've done. So the new map area is great and really helps the game feel less crowded when the server is full. So previously, sometimes if you had a really full server, you'd, you'd, you'd end up going to missions and, and especially anywhere near the safe zones. And you'd have lots of other uh, players turning up to the mission at the same time as you, or they'd already got there first because you were on foot and they had a boat or something or whatever. And you end up just competing to get in just to, to, to complete missions and so on. And there wasn't, didn't really feel like there was enough for everybody sometimes. Um, whereas now we've just with this, uh, we went to the new area of the map and obviously there was quite a lot of people there. It was like uh, five or six people just in that one region, um, it, it, the where we were and so on when we visited there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a long way. It takes about an hour to run there from the safe zone. So it's a pretty serious commitment to get out there, which means that once people are kind of filled up their inventories and so on, and they need to go back to the safe zone, um, then they, until people get bases built up there and stuff like that, then maybe it would be a bit different. But yeah, it's kind of means that you've got this, it really does feel um, like it's it's really expanded. I mean, we when we, we were going to and from uh, the went from the safe zone to the to the new city area and so on and did some missions on there yeah and yeah we were doing the missions there and there was another couple of people who joined the missions or whatever but um they'd kind of filled up their inventories and stuff anyway because they'd been there for a while and so you could just pick it you, you didn't really have to compete for the mission rewards and things like that they were just there's plenty to go around and so on um but then when we were sort of coming back after that we went to other areas we just had our pick of, of missions. We just turn up, do hard, do any difficulty mission we wanted, hard ones, whatever, um, which often draw quite a lot of people, medium missions and stuff. And uh, we were the only ones doing it. We, we didn't have anybody uh, turn up. And, you know, yeah, it just, it felt, um, it felt we did pass people at different points and so on. Like I say, you went to some certain points of interest and around the safe zones and stuff. You see a lot more, there's 50 people online, obviously. But yeah, it, it really did feel less crowded, uh, which I think the games are really starting to reach this size, which is kind of crazy because I think it was 25 square kilometers or something before they did this expansion. So <laughs> it was already still massive. But um, because people do cluster to the mission areas and stuff like that and around the safe zones. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, I'm going on here. But yeah, I, I, I definitely felt that effect um, that it was feeling less crowded. And we weren't competing so much to get to do missions. Um, and also the AI performance, the AI and performance improvements were, were really easily visible. So um, definitely felt much more performant. Uh, movie just felt very fluid, the game. And it, it's felt very good in the past, but this time just a noticeable difference because they had to, in order to get the city, which is now this massive area, they have to sort of render in something like to run on people's, machines and so on they had to do some real performance improvements and then that's just applied to the whole game those same things have helped the game to feel smoother everywhere you are on the map so it's great and uh the ai wise they're much more human-like now and um even like the animals and so on as well have been improved to make them much more realistic in the way they 
um, interact with you and so on and respond to you and stuff. So yeah, it's it's, it's great. Um, felt a, m- a much better experience. Uh, yeah, so I, I think this game continues to have a lot of potential, and I uh, I definitely look forward to seeing where it goes from here. And the fact we're still you know going to get these new peaks when they get updates, so it shows there's still a lot of interest in it. And as it progresses over the next year or two towards its version 1.0 release, I think, uh, yeah, I could really see the player base growing and um, people that have sort of put it on hold, having put in a decent number of hours in the past and so on, uh, coming back for these new updates and so on that they, that they do. And um, as the game gets becomes more fleshed out and stuff. So, yeah, really good. Um and we'll just have to wait and see what happens with this uh, with this equity raise. But anyway, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything for this week. So I will see you all next week. Thanks everyone for watching, and uh, yeah, try and maybe share it around. Help me to get the. It'd be great to try and grow. I've talked about at the top the subscribers to my newsletter, but it'd be great to grow the YouTube subscribers as well. So you know, please like, uh, comment, share, etc would be great all right and yeah anybody who hasn't signed up to the newsletter please do that as well you know it's entirely free uh you all you can if you don't want to hear the portfolio updates you can turn those off you can just have the weekly updates and and get these in in written form and they come before the videos so a faster news source as well uh and then you've got the portfolio so you've got the stock analysis which will be be coming out as well you should get those in your inbox anyway yeah until now um until next time i'll say goodbye